It's the Big Baseball Podcast with Kyle and Drew Charters. A couple of surprise teams garnering attention after the second week of the baseball season, but will they be able to keep up the momentum? Well, we'll have to see about that. Kyle Charters with Drew Charters on the Big Baseball Podcast. Drew, uh, why aren't you tanner than you are? Just off the boat? How you be... More tan. Nothing? Just off the boat 30 minutes ago. No, I uh, spent a lot of time inside uh, chasing three-year-olds around a big <laughs> ship. Uh, if you're out there and uh, considering going on a cruise with two toddlers, I would strongly recommend you not. Uh, so uh, tweet at me. Ask me questions. I'll let you know how it went. <laughs> not well. You've got a lot of, a lot of stuff. Uh, on our morning show, we do a pet peeve of the week. I feel like this week, coming off vacation, you might have a thing or two <laughs> to discuss. I've got so many things, whether it's <laughs> kids, the boat, hotels, uh, the boat itself, travel, well, planes. The boat, the boat day, oh, come on, you can't be that complaint about the boat. The boat did not have any sort of virus, so that's <laughs> not, good. None known yet. It did not crash into anything, which is a positive. Right. Couple of them uh, did a few weeks ago. You, yeah, you you made it onto and off of the boat without falling overboard. Also a positive, so it could yes. could not have been that bad. I just, it was over. It was fine. It was fine. I'm tired. I got. <laughs> I literally got off the plane this morning and and got back here to West Lafayette uh, about an hour ago, and coming in here to talk baseball. There you go. Uh, so yeah, I'm guessing that uh, that your not quite as refreshed as what we would like you to be, uh, but we'll we'll power our way through this. Uh, you know, there are a couple, when you just look at the standings, I know it's only two weeks in, so looking at the standings doesn't really give you a reality of the situation all yeah. the time. However, I think that if you look at the standings and then you, you, you consider where the teams were, where they were projected to be, it's hard not to see a couple of teams like a Purdue with the Boilermakers at 6-1 and one through the first couple of weeks, and think, hey, this Purdue team might be improved. I, I think there's reason to think that it could be. Maryland, too, uh, a team that at 5-1, and one, you feel like, hey, the Dirty Terps might be improved. We'll talk to Rob Vaughn, the third-year Maryland coach, who's on the podcast with us today here in a couple of minutes, about you know that team's start and whether it could be improved and the pitching and how much better it has been. You know, Northwestern comes back over the weekend with a really good series, getting series win yeah. at South Carolina. We'll talk a little bit about Spencer Allen's Wildcats. But let's start with Greg Goff and the Boilermakers. Purdue at 6-1. and one. The Boilermakers get a sweep over the weekend at the Campbell Invitational, beating the Camels, beating Maine, beating Villanova. They, they beat every kind of wildlife you could imagine in the three-game series. That's after taking three of four against Hofstra. I mean, the Black Bears, the Wildcats. I mean, you're just you're, everything, right? Um, so, took three of four against the Pride the weekend before that. You know, the, the pitching staff for the Boilermakers was the big question coming off of that series win against Hofstra because it didn't pitch very well. But then, you know, you go and take on pretty good competition down uh, in North Carolina and uh, give up only seven runs. I mean, it. It's a good weekend for the Boilermakers, and, you know, we'll see about Purdue. 
Yeah, the starters for Purdue, uh, Trent Johnson, Corey Brooks, and Jet Jackson all pitched very well. Corey Brooks has been very good, just gave up one run in 10 innings. The ERA, Team ERA, is somewhere over four, and it doesn't really accurately represent how good this pitching staff has been for Purdue so far this season. Um, you, you know, you got the feeling that they could come in healthy and be good. The concern was for, for Purdue was the lineup mm-hmm. and, and how effective they could be offensively, and there they've improved as well. It looks like Ben Nissel is back and healthy. He's hitting three seventy five. He's already got a home run on the season. You know, I, I've mentioned that this is a Purdue team that just hit 11 home runs last season. They've yeah. got four already this season. So if, Do the math real quick. <laughs> per, 43% of the home runs from last year. Is that right? I have no idea. <laughs> got to be close. <laughs> but if you, you, you know, you got to think if that if that pitch, I was staff, told that this podcast would have less math I know, this year. That's what we're math, going with. We've had math every podcast, and we got to stop. Got to stop it with the math. Yes. Math. You, you would were think, saying. You would think <laughs> if Purdue's pitching staff can stay healthy and play up to their potential, and this offense can continue like it is, Purdue might have something here. Yeah, I think that this coming weekend will yes. tell us a lot yeah. more. Look, I'm going to call it the Big Ten ACC Challenge. I don't care what it's actually called. It should be the Big Ten ACC Challenge because that's just cool like that, right? They should do that in basketball too. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be a great idea. Uh, So Duke, UNC, NC State, uh, Purdue, Minnesota, Iowa, a great event up in U.S. Bank Stadium. I'll be up there really looking forward to that. We'll talk about that after our interview with Rob Vaughn a little bit more. But, yeah, we're going to know more about Purdue. And they don't have right. to, like, Quickly sweep here. those three teams or anything. But if you go up there and compete, maybe we win one. We'll know a little bit more. We'll know more about Minnesota and Iowa, too, at that point. Let's talk uh, some Northwestern Wildcats because Northwestern, you know, the first week, and you're like, ah, whatever. <laughs> you know, whatever. one and two, okay. Yeah. Then you come back and you win two of three at South Carolina to get back to three and three. So, you know, when we talked to Chris Webb a couple of weeks ago, Northwestern was one of those teams that he was pointing at and saying, hey, look at this team as a team uh, that isn't one of those that we're talking about but could make some noise in the Big Ten. And I think the Wildcats showed us a little bit this weekend why he said that. Yeah, I think they did. I mean, they a couple of tough games. They came back in two of the games against South Carolina, winning in 10 innings uh, in both games, game one and game three. And they did it on walks, believe it or not. In game one, they scored four runs in the 10th. They had four walks and two base hits in the 10th inning. And uh, game three, they got a single to lead off and then three walks. South Carolina walked the winning run home. Hey, you Uh, take it. Yeah, you take it any way you can get it. And and, and Northwestern will, at this point in the season, they got a Big Ten freshman, freshman of the week already, and Steven Rustic, who uh, had his first career home run, uh, he he threw out a potential game-winning run uh, in one of those South games against South Carolina. So a big weekend by him, uh, and we'll see if Northwestern has something here. Yeah, they they seem to have some good young players. I think so. That's uh, maybe a sneaky good team for Spencer Allen. All right, Maryland, the Terrapins. Uh, is this a surprising start? I don't know if that's the right phrase. They're nine. Excuse me, five and one, taking two of three from Rhode Island. Played in miserable conditions on Friday, uh, but they were home, uh, so that's cool. 
Um, if the pitching keeps up, that's the key, right, yeah. for Maryland. The pitching and the two Shawns have been pretty good in their starts thus far for Rob Vaughn. Yeah, so like we just talked about Purdue, and and I think the question mark, or at least for me the question mark with Purdue is the offense. Can the offense mm-hmm. uh, contribute this season? I think for Maryland it was the complete opposite for me. It was it was they've got offense. And and Bednar and Costas and Aline, mm-hmm. can they provide? Can they find some pitching to go along with that nucleus of offense? And they certainly seem well, like they found it with Hunter Parsons gone. He, he yeah, ma- it mattered yeah. so much to that team. I mean, ten of their twenty nine. They won every Fridays. Yeah, they won. They won the first game of the series. Ten of their twenty nine victories, and then after that, it was like, okay. What, what happens now? Let's piece it together. Yeah, yeah. and so um, it's been impressive that they've been able to pitch it. Fisher at the top uh, has been good. Yeah. Just one earned run in his two starts, covering 11 and two-thirds innings. That has sort of set the table, again, similar to Parsons last year. But they're a little bit deeper there, I think, now in that staff. Yeah, the other Sean. Sean Burke comes in behind Fisher. And uh, he's got 16 strikeouts and just over 10 innings pitched. Both of them combined have only given up two earned runs in over 21 innings pitched. That's, well, that's, that's, that's tough to beat. We'll talk to Rob Vaughn here in a couple of minutes, get his thoughts on this Maryland squad. All right, awards this week. Are we going to catch grief again Probably from, from our buddies down at Indiana? Yeah, we got chastised <laughs> on Twitter from our uh, friends of the show, iubase.com there. That's last right. week we like for... being chat no we don't like being chastised but we'll take it <laughs> we'll wear it um but w- one thing we do like is that we did because we're doing this a little bit different this year because like y'all don't care about our problems but it took us hours yes. <laughs> and this is no joke to compile weekend stats and figure out where to give awards and then we didn't always want to double it up with Purdue or with uh the Big 10 awards and so we just can't do it. Both of us host a morning show now, and so and have real jobs and real <laughs> like real life jobs and stuff. So uh, we could not devote that much. So we like getting your nomination. So we did get a couple of those. Um, so continue to pour those in because we're doing it a little bit different. We want not only somebody who had a big weekend, but somebody who got a critical out, right, or a quit- critical at bat, or something small. That maybe uh, if you were just looking at big picture might go overlooked. So there were good good pitching performances this weekend. Grant Judkins, for instance, six shutout innings, six strikeouts, just gave up a couple of hits, got a victory against number eighteen Arizona. Big Ten pitcher of the week, very good. Sean Fisher, Sean Burke, we mentioned them yeah. earlier. Purdue got some good pitching performances this weekend as well. Uh, I'm going to go with Northwestern Sam Lawrence picks up a game one win. Against South Carolina, goes two and a third inning scoreless. Uh, then he goes middle relief again in game three, pitches just a scoreless inning. I think it only took him 17 pitches to get out of that inning. Uh, gets uh, the hold there, basically. Or keeps Northwestern, I should say, in the game. Uh, but he pitches twice, both in victories, both against the Gamecocks. Two big ones for Northwestern. So we're going to go with that direction. Now, a couple games in a row, we've given it to a, a relief pitcher who's pitched twice in big spots and helped out his team. But I'm going with Sam Lawrence for my big arm with a lot of other you know, nominees in there as well. Who do you got for Big Bat? All right, nominees for Big Bat. Let's start with Chris Brito. Who are you going to who are you going to irk this week now with this? I know, or probably everybody. Hopefully everybody. We like it. We want yeah. uh we want people to get aggravated. 
and happy. Is that what we want? We, we, want, we want interaction. Okay. I don't go. care if it's happy or aggravated. <laughs> interaction. Uh, Chris Brito from Rutgers. We'll talk about him a little bit later in the show because he's having a fantastic season offensively uh, for the Scarlet Knights. But he reached base safely 12 of 16 plate appearances this weekend against North Florida. Helped them to a sweep. Uh, the previously mentioned Steven Rustic, uh, the freshman uh, for Northwestern, got his first career home run in the sixth inning of Game 3 against South Carolina throughout the, in the next inning in the seventh inning throughout the potential winning run with an outfield assist uh, for the Wildcats. Uh, Peter on for Michigan state hit a game winning home run in the bottom of the 10th to give them a victory 15 to 14. Maxwell Costas had two home runs in one game for Maryland, a great game uh, by Costas. By, by the way, do we have to already start talking about the big baseball podcast curse? Uh, maybe. Should we? They won a game. They won a game. They won. But they were, oh, Michigan State lost. We had Jake Boss on last week. Michigan State lost gonna... the first three games of the series. I was really worried they were going to get a four-game <laughs> sweep. But yeah. they, they won the last one, 15-14 in extras, thanks to Peter on. Yeah. Uh, but we will give Big Bat this season to get our friends of the show, IUBase.com, off our back. <laughs> Elijah Dunham. Not yeah. only did he hit 636 yeah. over the weekend, seven hits, three RBIs. Uh, he had a huge three-run home run versus Siena to give IU an 8 to nothing lead. That was in the fourth inning. The Siena outfielder didn't even move. It was a shot. <laughs> uh, so there a great weekend by Dunham, who will get our big bat of the week. Yeah, deservedly so. Hard. I mean, he slugged at more than a thousand seven thirty three on base. He was uh, he was solid. Have to go that direction. Sort of the total for Elijah Dunham on the weekend. All right, let's uh, let's take a break here for just a second and bring in Rob Vaughn. Uh, had a good time talking to the third year Maryland coach. That's next on the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of one hundred one seven The Hammer. Let's welcome in Rob Vaughn, the third-year Maryland coach, the Dirty Terps on the Big Baseball Podcast. Hey, Rob, appreciate you coming on. Uh, as always, you know, it's been a good start for your squad, now 5-1 and one on the season. You took 2-3 or three against Rhode Island over the weekend. You pretty pleased with what you've seen thus far? Yeah, you know, we have. We're, we're a work in progress, just like everybody is this time of year. You know, I'm, I'm happy, obviously, that the record's sitting at a good spot right now. I think we've played pretty good baseball to a point um uh, but the encouraging thing and what i told our guys yesterday after the game is you know we're we are five and one we've we've taken care of business the first two weekends and i still don't think we're playing the level of baseball we're capable of which is which is good for a young team you know that we're finding ways to win which is all that really matters but you know i think there's a lot of growth to be had and a lot of a lot of work still to be done but but anytime you can kind of start the year off especially with a young group with the kind of right foot forward i think that that obviously adds to some confidence and some belief and obviously like starting the thing off the right way. Yeah, when you looked at what you guys had returning from last season, I mean, there were a couple of names there in the lineup that really stood out, I think, and you had to be excited about that. You also had to be, at least from an outsider's point of view, a little bit worrisome about the pitching. I mean, you lose Hunter Parsons at the top. He did so much for you last year, I think, in, in getting your weekends started. But the pitching really has been really good through the first six games. I mean, 
uh, in the victories, uh, as tends to happen, you, you pitch it well in the wins. But it, it does stand to, you know, stand to be said that, uh, you know, in, in those victories, you guys have given up three runs or less. I think in four of the five, you know, two runs or less. The pitching really has been um, really good here to start the year. No question. No qu- and, and you're exactly right. I mean, losing Parsons is going to be tough. And, and, you know, when you really combine him and losing Murph as well on the back end, those are two yeah. of the arms that really carried us for the most part. Hunter was just so good last year, you know, and that's what I say out of Friday night guys. I mean, we all want Friday night guys that, that are 95, 98 with a hammer that strike everybody out, but not all, all of us get those guys. But what, what we need out of Friday night guys is just guys, you know what you're going to get, you know, whether you've got their A stuff or whether you've got their C stuff, that they're going to find a way to get you into the sixth or seventh inning and give your team a chance to win. You know, nothing blows up a weekend more than having to go to your bullpen in the second inning on a Friday. And so, you know, that that was a huge concern, losing Hunter, because he was just so good at that. Like, when he was on, I mean, I saw him duel against Pauly Milto last year and kind of go toe-to-toe with about every guy in the league and give us a chance to win. Even games we didn't end up pulling out for him, um, he gave us a chance to win every time. So when you lose that guy, obviously you kind of worry about, you know, how do you fill that, what does that look like, and... You know, we've uh, we've got some really talented young arms, but, mm-hmm. you know, when you're pitching on Friday and carrying the team kind of on your back, you you got to have some guys that, that can have some experience that have done it before. And, you know, as we went through things, we just felt like, you know, Sean Fisher has been used heavily out of our bullpen for two years and had a great summer, you know, kind of added a changeup to his repertoire, gets to his glove side better than he has in the past. And, you know, he went through this fall, gave up one hit the entire fall, had a great preseason and, you know, we're kind of sitting there looking at each other like, why not? You know, he's <laughs> tough as nails. You know what you're going to get. He's he's kind of the captain of the pitching staff and the way he goes about his business. I mean, he's so respected by our team and by our by kind of everybody around him. It was like, you know what? Let's let's see what he can do. You know, and for two weeks he's he's been great. You know, he he's obviously you know Friday night. This Friday was a tough day to pitch. I mean, mm-hmm. you there was a lot of walks, a lot of hit by pitches, and I think a lot of that was due to pitchers not being able to feel the baseball is a big part of it so you know but but even still like you you throw him in a bad weather like that the guy still goes over five almost six innings and and uh give you a position of being a chance to win and we were able to take care of business on friday night so you know fish has done a great job in his first two starts doing that of stepping up and just really not even trying to be anybody other than himself but he's confident he fills up the strike zone he moves the ball in and out he's got feel for three pitches and he's tough as nails so you know, I, as as early as this season's been, I've been really happy with how he's been able to kind of step in and and help fill what we lost last year with Hunter. I love those grinders on Friday night, man. They can just you know keep you in games, as you said. If you know if you have a guy that leaves on a on a Friday early, man, it can just nuke your entire weekend. So to have somebody who, you know, you know at the very least he's going to go out there and and give you innings and work and compete, that's a pretty good thing to have. No question, and that's exactly what it has to be. You know, obviously, we like guys that are the power guys, but but at the same time, I think that's that's the biggest thing on Friday is you know, unfortunately, kind of or for Rhode Island this weekend is you know we their starter left in the third with kind of a forearm tweak or something, and so they had to dip in their bullpen in the third inning on Friday, and that that really set us up offensively for the rest of the weekend because we had kind of seen mm-hmm. just about their whole bullpen going into Saturday's game. You know, and so I think that's what you got to have. You got to have a guy that, 
you just know whether he's got his A game or his B game or C, whatever it is, he's going to get you into the sixth inning or so, seventh inning, and you know give up less than three runs and just give you a chance to to win a game. And and like I said, Fish has been fantastic at that at least so far. You guys were so great on Fridays last year with with Parsons leading things off, and then after that, I always felt like you know you never knew quite what you were going to get with the Terps afterward, and it's probably a reason why. You know, you look at the the standings at the end. You're exactly 500. I mean, you're 500 yep. everywhere, right? Yep. So, uh, do you do you feel like you're deeper this year with the pitching staff that you know you can get off to a good start on a Friday and then give yourself a better opportunity to win the series on Saturday or Sunday? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think we're definitely a lot deeper on the mound. The, I think the caveat to that is a lot of that depth is really young depth. Yeah, you know and. You know, on Saturday and Sunday, we started two freshmen the last two Saturdays and Sundays, one in Nick Dean and, and one in a redshirt freshman, uh, Sean Burke. And, you know, both are extremely talented. Both guys can do it. You know, Burke, was electric yesterday. I mean, he went out and was flat dominant. I think he punched out eight or nine through five, something like that, and was just was just really good with his fastball. He can run that thing up in the mid-90s. And, and when he's on and he can command it a little bit, you know, there's not too many better Sunday guys probably around in the country than him. Um, but he was electric this week. Nick Dean's a young guy that's going to keep getting better. He's got an unbelievable changeup. You know, Velo's still up, ticking back up. You know, he's when he's real good, he's 90-94 on the fastball. He's been somewhere 88-90, to 90, touching 91 right now. So he's, I think, as the weather warms up, as he kind of continues to build that arm strength up, it'll keep getting better and better. But you know, I like what we have right there. You know, the the huge kind of X factor for us is Tyler Bloom, who's missed about the last year and a half with an injury. And, um, you know, he's coming back and he's throwing to hitters. He's looking awesome in his bullpen. He'll throw again to hitters this week. And, you know, is probably about a week away from getting back and facing guys in a game. So if we can get him, you know, back and healthy, I think that becomes a – a little bit of that experience that you look for with the young pitching staff. So, but I feel like we have some options this year, and that's what's huge. You know, we got banged up in the middle of the year last year, and when we got banged up on the mound, it, you know, we ended up having to use Murphy in a lot of spots we shouldn't have had to use Murphy. Right. And I think what ended up happening is as we got to the end of the year, you know, he just had nothing left in the tank. And so, you know, I think the way we're using guys so far has been pretty good. Guys have thrown the ball pretty well. Um, I think you just get some ups and downs with some freshmen both offensively and on the mound. But at the same time, I do like our depth. I kind of like the position that we've, we've been able to start games in and really save one game, you know, on Saturday. Mm-hmm. We've really thrown the ball well this weekend or this, this start to the year. Talking to Rob Vaughn, the third-year Maryland coach on the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 101.7 The Hammer. You know, a couple of names jump out, obviously, in your lineup, Randy Bednar and, and Maxwell Cost. Um, Maxwell uh, Costas, uh, just you you like those two guys, obviously. And it was funny, I was looking at your stats, and I'm like, man, you guys are scoring a lot of runs. And then you're like, wait, the average only 238. Well, you're being productive, right. though, with, with the opportunities, it seems like. I mean, you've got a couple of veteran guys there you could really build around, right? No doubt, no doubt. You know, I think, I think uh, you know, Maxwell's kind of been – up and down. The one thing we've done a great job of this year, and I tell our guys all the time, like you can, you can throw batting average out the window. What I want to do is I want to score as many runs as possible, and I don't care what that looks like. Right. And you know, we've put a huge emphasis on controlling the strike zone, on getting on base, on really taking what the pitchers give you. And, and 
we've done a really, really good job of getting on base. We've got done a really good job of playing offense and scoring some runs in some different ways. You know, I think there's a lot of firepower in our lineup from a from a driving the baseball standpoint. You know, we we had a lot of homers last year and didn't lose that many of them. You know, mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of guys with the ability to drive the baseball and. You know, we really, up until Saturday, you know, we won our first four games and hadn't left the yard yet, which is pretty normal this time of year and right. some of the weather we're playing. But, um, you know, then we hit three on Sun or Saturday, and then, you know, Maxwell hits two yesterday. And so, um, you know, I, I think that's been our, our mindset is just get on base and score runs, whatever that looks like. We, we've done a really good job running off quality at bats. You know, I think – you know, Chris Aileen has been in the leadoff spot for us. Bubble was awesome last year mm-hmm. and then just got hurt. You know, he ended up playing most of the year last year, about probably 60% of last year with two broken thumbs and a banged-up <laughs> knee. And he just kind of scratched and clawed and fought because we needed him and was a great teammate. And, you know, he's been he's been really good to start off the year. There's been some really loud outs off his bat. Same thing with Randy. I think Randy's offensive numbers are respectable right now. But that guy hasn't given too many of bats away this year. You know, I I call him all the time. He's a professional RBI collector. <laughs> what he does, it doesn't runner at third, less than two outs, and he's at the plate. He's going to get him in some some way, and he's very unselfish in that. So even where some of the averages don't reflect the success some of these guys have, I've I've really been very happy with the way we've approached each game offensively, the way we control the strike zone. Um, really taking what they've given us. I feel like we've been hit by about 100 pitches already this year. Um, <laughs> but guys are guys are doing a good job getting on base, and once we get on base, we've done a pretty good job executing and, and, and getting some things done. So although the average isn't necessarily there, I like obviously building some stuff around, you know, around Randy and Maxwell's big. Yeah, getting hit 100 times. I think that would be a record through six games. But it, <laughs> it might feel that way. <laughs> it's probably not quite no doubt. So I know you're, you know, you're in your third year. I know, you know, it wasn't uh, new to you, Maryland, obviously, when, when you took over. And it's not as if you were rebuilding a program when you took over as the head coach. But I think every coach has to put his stamp on things a little bit. Now in your third year, do you feel like, you know, you're getting closer to feeling like this is the team and the style and uh, the athletes and, and all of that that you want to be able to put on the field on a daily basis? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think, you know, Coach Chef was so good when he was here and even before him, Coach Backage was so good. And so, you know, I think that's that's a big piece of it is, you know, I had uh, I spent a year trying to figure out who I was as a head coach because mm-hmm. I was shoot, when I got the job, I was 29. And I say this to everybody, like, you just don't know what you don't know until you're sitting in that seat sometimes. And, uh, you know, a lot of growing, a lot of learning the first two years. But, you know, I think we've done a, a good job of balancing our our roster out the way we want to you know we as the hitting coach before here you know I'd recruit a lot of the hitters and so when coach chef left for the most part um most of the hitters stuck around you know we had a we had most of those guys guys spent so much time developing relationships and recruiting and we didn't really lose any of those guys um to other schools or other places but you know on the mound we had you know three different um, pitching coaches over the course of three years. You know, Coach Bellinger was here with us, left to go to Kentucky. He's now down at Florida State. Then Coach Fecto came in. And when Coach Chef got the job in Virginia Tech, Coach Fecto went with him. So just naturally, when you have that many different pitching coaches in such a short, short span, you're going to have some turnover. You're going to have, you know, uh, a guy that, you know, he's pitching on Fridays for Virginia Tech right now. 
mm-hmm. um, that, that Coach Fecto recruited was committed to us, uh, Chris Gerard. And then that's just what happens sometimes when, you know, the guy leaves, they end up kind of going, going right. with him, which I completely understand. But with that, it kind of left us a little bit short for a year or two. And, you know, as early as recruiting happens now, you know, I mean, I'm spending my time on in the afternoon sometimes <laughs> talking to more freshmen and sophomores than I am older guys. And so, you know, as early as recruiting happens, it, it takes a year or two to get those guys in. And this, you know, this class that's freshman this year is really the first class that was like completely recruited, right. gone through with our staff. And I like the balance. I think we're, we've got a good blend. We're bringing in some, some power arms, some guys that have the ability to really pitch. You know, I think offensively we have a pretty good blend of speed and strength that we brought in there. I think we've kind of attacked some of our deficiencies we had. I thought, you know, I thought we were really thin in the infield last year. I think we've done a good job of recruiting some guys that can handle the ball in the infield and, and be pretty solid for us there. So we're getting the personnel in place. Now it's our job to coach them up and, and make them better and, and kind of, like you said, put our stamp on it and make it the team we want them to be. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, Rob, I'm 40. I get overwhelmed by mundane daily tasks. I can't imagine being under 30 and taking over a Big Ten program, you know, and one that has had the kinds of success that Maryland has had. I mean, there had to be moments where you were like, okay, what's 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 next here a little bit? Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. You know, like I said, you you know, when you're sitting there as an assistant, it's like, oh, I, I'm going to be a head coach one day. I'm going to be a head coach one yeah. day. And I say it all the time. I'll look at my assistants half the time when I'm doing stuff that, this is the last thing you feel like doing. It's like, can I just go be an assistant again? Can I just go – let me just yeah. go recruit guys and coach hitters and call it good. Um, and I say that obviously jokingly because I, I love it. You know, and there, there's just different responsibilities. There's so many things that I think until you're sitting in that chair that you can have an opinion on, you can think about, um, but you just don't know. You know, and it kind of seems like it's a part of your job is, is to be a fireman because mm-hmm. it seems like every day there's, there's something you're putting out. You're not going to go really through much of a day without – whether it's academics, whether it's in the weight room, whether it's on the field, whether it's scholarship stuff, whatever it is, it seems like there's something every day that, you know, you're having to have a tough conversation, make a hard decision. And, you know, I learned that really quickly. The second you just kind of embrace that and don't get surprised by it, you just know every day, you know what I'm going to have to do. There's a part of my job that's just going to stink today. And that is what it is. But the beauty of it is when you remind yourself that you're getting to kind of run a program and, and to kind of put your stamp on these kids, man, it, it makes it a lot of fun, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right, so you're one of the, uh, I guess, the rare Big Ten team that does get to play some home games here this time of year. Now, I know the weather, as you said on Friday, was was just this side of awful, but it has been official, right, to be able to play some games uh, at the stadium this time of year and sort of you know be able to stay home when a lot of others are on the road. Sure, you know, I think it is, and I think even more than that, the thing that's great is, you know, there's a lot of teams in our league that are forced to go inside in the preseason in January and early February, and, you know, they're in a football indoor, and, you know, there's some great facilities around our league, but, you know, they're relegated to playing games inside with partial infields and partial outfield and this and that, where, where for us, like, we didn't miss one day outside. There wasn't one day of practice in the preseason. We played we played nine scrimmage games. Um, we didn't miss a practice. We hit outside every day. So, to me, that's even more the bonus. So, yeah, it's great to be able to play at home. But um, but more importantly for us, it's just that the preparation wasn't cut short. The preparation didn't have to be altered at all. And, and we were able to get on our field every day and, and get our work in. And 
I think that's a big piece of, you know, I, I played at Kansas State, and I remember in 2009, which was my, my senior year, was the first year we went to a regional in the history of the school, mm-hmm. and it was the same thing, right? You know, K-State, a lot of times you're relegated to being indoors in January, February, and, you know, we had a really mild winter. We were able to get outside every day, and we kind of started that season out hot and, and turned that into a NCAA tournament-type year. So, um, you know, I think that's part of a tribute to a good start is, you know, that we were able to get on the field, get a lot of work in, and, you know, we're, we're not really too rusty rolling out there game one. The Big Ten is probably deeper than it has ever been this season uh, coming off of of what it did last year, five NCAA tournament teams, Michigan doing what the Wolverines did to get to the final game. You know, when the league came out with its top six teams, obviously Maryland wasn't in there. But I feel like you know, I feel like there are a couple of teams there that were just sort of lurking on the edge, uh, you guys being one of them. Uh, maybe not Purdue being one of them, but Purdue's off to a good start this year too. Iowa uh, put the Hawkeyes in that mix. I feel like there is – you know, a group of teams maybe that did not get that recognition to start the season that has uh, perhaps uh, garnered some attention now and, and should be teams that are looked at as being uh, challengers there to, you know, to, to knock some teams off once the Big Ten season starts. How do you feel about, you know, where your team is in that mix? You know, it's I've said this a long time, it's a heck of a lot easier to coach when when your team is not in that mix because there's plenty of ammunition to keep your boys motivated when they start <laughs> yeah. to get satisfied. Um, but I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the Big Ten, you know, I, it's it's crazy since we got into 15 how much the league has changed. And even before that, you know, I remember, again, back to my K-State days, like Big Ten baseball, you were going to get one, maybe two teams in the Big Ten or in the uh, NCAA tournament every year. And shoot the last couple of years you've been getting four or five teams in the tournament and mm-hmm. i think it's a it's a it's a you know attributed to the uh the administrations and putting there's a lot of facility upgrades that have gone into the big 10 and showing that they care about being good at baseball i think a lot of the coaches that are being hired in this league um you know from will bolt who's tremendous to um, spencer allen at northwestern who they just had a big time weekend to steve owens at rutgers i mean guys are there's some big-time coaches in this league that know how to win, you know, and, and I think w- what used to be a league that was very top-heavy and had some pretty easy wins down at the bottom has been transformed big-time to where every every Big Ten weekend's a slugfest at this point. You know, it's like you're going to exchange blows with guys. It's going to be a bear, and anybody can beat anybody, you yeah. know, and and obviously it's headlined by, by a team like Michigan who represented the league so so well in the postseason last year and what coach package does with them year in and year out is very impressive so you know they're a great representative i think minnesota's pitching staff is about as elite as it's going to get this year and so you look around the league and i think there's just so much parity there's there's so many good coaches i think it's great for the league you know and so you know like i said i we'll see where we shake out i like where we're headed i like the way we're playing baseball i kind of like the energy around our team right now but i'm I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't enjoy being picked kind of towards the bottom of the league because it, it allows me to keep some boys motivated because I think we got a chance to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, certainly not a bad place to be when you can uh, when you can motivate guys and then maybe sneak up on a couple as well. Certainly you're off to a great start. Best of luck the rest of the season. We'll be watching, and hopefully we'll see you down the road. That sounds great. I appreciate you guys. That's uh, Rob Vaughn, the third-year Maryland coach, joining us on the Big Baseball Podcast. Back in a moment, this is a production of 101.7 The Hammer.
And thanks again to Rob Vaughn, Maryland's coach, for coming on the Big Baseball Podcast. Drew, let's hit our weekend rotation, three things that we are talking about, and then we'll talk a little bit about uh, some of the series this coming weekend as well. You know, you can't judge everything on records, I think, especially early on this season. We said that a little bit off the top as well, talking about it in terms of the teams that appear to be off to good starts. There's the opposite of that as well. You know, case in point, I think, is Nebraska being 1-5. and The Cornhuskers have lost five consecutive. But look at the opponents, too. So Baylor twice, San Diego, San Diego State, Arizona are the losses. And then guess what? Next <laughs> up for Nebraska, uh, three versus Arizona State. So, yeah. Yeah, doesn't get any easier No, uh, for Nebraska. Uh, hitting 273 as a team. So, th- I mean, they're, they're hitting the ball fine. Offensively, they're, they're fine. Uh, yeah. Pitching hasn't been, hasn't been great. Both Gareth Stroh and Colby Gomes have ERAs over six. But I think opponent matters it does. pretty strong here. Um, you know, those pitchers may not have those high ERAs if they're playing uh, some other other lesser competition. Directional you. The, the hope is that it doesn't, you know, set the tone for those guys for the rest of the season. It's Stroh's first season with Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, Colby Gomes has been a starter for them in the past, um, so we'll see how that plays out. It really hammered Michigan State last year, and that's what you don't want to see happen when you right. take on – that kind of competition. I mean, Michigan State never recovered last year, really, until late in the year. And then by then, it was like, okay, yeah, you know, you're not going to make the Big Ten tournament. You're way too far back. And for Nebraska, you feel like it's a better team than what the record indicates. You just hope that this gauntlet here doesn't hammer their confidence. Uh, Michigan loses three of four to UConn. So, I mean, that doesn't mean Michigan's like terrible all of a sudden, right? No, I think you've got to just remember that this is a really long season. Look, UConn, or yeah. Michigan's uh, uh, flaw last year was they didn't play anybody early on. Right. Not very many, at least. They beat well, UCLA they beat, early. They didn't beat anybody that they yeah. played. Yeah, yeah. They, they sort of padded that resume for a long time yeah. with, with you know, with wins, but wins over, over nobody. Yeah, they have got wins uh, yeah. this season over some competition. Loses three or four to UConn, though. UConn's schedule. Man, I feel for them. Projected to be third in the American Athletic Conference, they are three and three. But again, they beat Michigan three times, and their schedule is just brutal. Minis- uh, but I think it's—I I just think it's a—it's a long season. I don't think you can take anything from from Michigan losing three or four here. Minnesota is three and four, so a little bit less maybe than what we anticipated for the Gophers. But the three wins, okay, they're legit. Oregon, Arizona, and TCU. Yeah, again, for Minnesota, the, the pitching is, is not up there. And I, I, I'm a little bit more concerned with Minnesota's pitchers than I am with Nebraska's pitchers because they, you feel like these guys are veterans. They've been around forever. Fredrickson is not pitching well. Yeah. Five and a third, nine earned runs, seven walks, only 4K. Sam Thorson, just five innings, six runs, 11 walks, and in five innings. Mm. You know, those guys, uh, walks. It does, you know, it doesn't matter who the competition is. You got to throw strikes. Yeah. So hopefully they can turn it around for the Golden Gophers. Those are two guys who you depend on, mm-hmm. and they need to. And they need to throw strikes. Yeah, two guys who were big reasons why a lot of people felt like that rotation is is one to really uh, watch for in the Big Ten. It's early. Yeah. I would expect to ex- at least as, to some extent 
those two guys turn it around a little bit. Okay, so on the other side of things here a little bit is Ohio State. How much concern do you have? I know it, it, you know, it is early, but the Buckeyes' uh, record drops to 2-4, and four, swept at Georgia Tech. They gave up 29 runs in that game. Ohio State, you know, that weekend rotation we thought would be a strength, and maybe it still will be, but the team ERA now is 5.54. But it's not the pitching, really, yeah. that is overly concerning here, is that lineup is really struggling right now. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's much reason for concern here. I understand they're struggling. It's a long season. Dylan Dingler is projected to be one of, if not the best player yeah. uh, in the Big Ten. Uh, he was hurt most of last season. Uh, he came back late last season. Uh, you would hope he's, he's fully healthy now. Um, and I, I just think it'll come around for those guys. That, that's too good of a squad with too much experience uh, to, be in a, to be in a slump all season. Yeah, you would think so. He and Connor Paul, both two big bats in the middle of yeah. that Ohio State lineup, combining uh, for seven RBI through the first six games of the season. That's you know well off the pace that you would expect. And those two both hitting just 227 as a team. Ohio State hitting only 168. So, yeah, you would expect that that – I mean, that can't possibly keep up. So, no, so they will start to hit the ball a little bit better, and you would hope as they do so – that the team overall improves a little bit. All right, a big event this weekend. I'll be up there at uh, U.S. Bank Stadium where the Vikings play. Looking forward to sort of seeing uh, the alignment of the stadium. I have heard that the press box is like three miles in the air. Bring your binoculars. You say you're excited about that? Why would I not be excited? What do you mean? Because we go to these Purdue games to do the radio play-by-play, and it's like... 40 degrees outside, and you are adamant. Adamant. Window has that we have to open the windows, and baseball is to be played outdoors, Drew. (laughs) And now you're looking forward to indoor baseball? Well, it's a little different experience. (laughs) Yes, baseball is played outdoors. So if it's 40 degrees, the window is open. Uh... Yeah, no, I, it'll be a great event, I think. I mean, Minnesota, yeah. Iowa, and Purdue against number 14, Duke, uh, UNC. And we use D1 baseball rankings. UNC, which dropped out of its rankings uh, this week. And then number 13, NC State. I think that's the order. No, Purdue plays NC State on Saturday, right? Uh, yes. Yes, Purdue and NC State Saturday. So, um, but, uh, you know, those they'll rotate around uh, those three teams. Of course, the Big Ten teams playing against the ACC uh, counterparts there uh, in the Cambria, is that right? College Classic. That's right. I'm calling it the Big Ten ACC Challenge uh, up there at the home of the Vikings. Everyone will practice on Thursday, so the teams will get an opportunity. Of course, Minnesota's in the midst of playing 14 consecutive games there, so the Gophers know what they're dealing with. Iowa, Purdue, and the, the three ACC teams will uh, get a chance to practice on Thursday, Purdue gets to face Bryce Jarvis, <laughs> the Duke starter. 15 strikeouts in his perfect game. 27 up, 27 down against Cornell. 94 pitches. He only got to three balls once in that yeah. victory against Cornell. That was the 31st, by the way, perfect game in NCAA D1 history. So Purdue will get a good one in Jarvis and its game against Duke on Friday, but that should be a great event. You want to face Jarvis this early in the season, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're sure. Purdue, why not? Like, I don't know if it's, you know, if it's if it's May, 
I'm not sure if you're, you're like begging to face Bryce Jarvis, but in February here where you're learning things about your team, mm-hmm. why yeah, why not? not? Mm-hmm. You're going to face the maybe the best pitcher you faced all you will face all season. So if Purdue can do something against Jarvis, then that's got to build them confidence that they can do something against anybody. This has an NCAA regional feel to it, right? Yeah. So I think that'll be good for Purdue, good for all these teams, really. Minnesota sort of being the the home team, I guess, here. Uh, but six teams who uh, all have aspirations for the NCAA. I think, you know, Purdue may be the outlier there a little bit. But the Boilermaker, it's not that, it's not that far removed from Purdue making an NCAA regional. So um, looking forward to that event. Should be a great one in Minneapolis. Chris Brito, putting him in the weekend rotation, our number three guy here, uh, helps Rutgers sweep North Florida over the weekend. Good comeback by the Scarlet Knights after they were swept in Florida by the Miami Hurricanes. So Brito's been really good this year. Look, he was good last year, led Rutgers with a seven, excuse me, a three seventy-two on base percentage in his forty-three starts. Now a sophomore, early on in the season here, number two in the Big Ten in batting average, hitting five hundred. He's number one in slugging at nine fifty-five. He's number three in on base. At 593, number four in RBI uh, um, with eight. Uh, reached base over the weekend in 12 of 16 plate appearances in that three-game sweep of North Florida with eight hits and six runs driven in. So, yeah, uh, Chris Brito was Not really bad. good, and he's been really good at the start of this season for a Scarlet Knights team. Again, now three and three. I think uh, another one of those teams – that you're going to have to watch for when Big Ten play comes because they have enough talent, I think, to beat some teams and affect the race and maybe, you know, get themselves in to the Big Ten tournament if they can play well and pitch it well beyond, you know, a couple of guys there that they have. All right, uh, what are we looking for this weekend? Oh, we got Nebraska at Arizona State for three That'd be a big series uh, for Nebraska, uh, again, who's just 1-5, had a really tough schedule so far, and it doesn't get easier for them. Obviously, the the Purdue and Minnesota and Iowa uh, uh, against NC State, UNC and Duke in, the, in the, what you're calling the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Indiana's got a tough weekend, number 21, mm-hmm. East Carolina, and then they play High Point, and then number 15, Old Miss in the Keith LeClaire Classic. Uh, and Illinois, uh, a tough weekend for the Fighting Illini as well. At number 18, Texas A&M. At Oklahoma State. At UCLA. Number 10, UCLA. That's at the uh, famed Frisco Classic. So there's a couple series uh, that I'm looking at. You got anything out of that? Yeah, Michigan and Cal Poly uh, this weekend. I think, you know, the Wolverines coming back after you know, not great performance against UConn. Uh, Coastal Carolina and Maryland. Uh, so let's see if the Terps can keep it up. There's a couple others there to watch for. All right. uh, So a good show today. Thanks to Rob Vaughn for coming on with us. We do appreciate that. Uh, We appreciate you guys listening. Um, Tell a friend, retweet us, do all of that. Uh, We like to grow the Brit base as well. Be sure to get us your nominees. We did appreciate the couple of you out there who nominated big arm and big bat. That is much appreciated. Does save us a little bit of time as well. I'm sure you're, you're really in tune to that. I guarantee that. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week again. Hopefully we'll drop this thing mid-morning on Tuesday. Apology for being a little bit late. It's his fault, however. He's out there cruising around on vacation. 
I suppose that is acceptable. Okay, so we'll be back again next week. Have a good weekend, everybody. Uh, for Drew, I'm Kyle. This is the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 1017 The Hammer. You're out!